What's up, everybody? You're listening to a new podcast episode of Will's Take on Sports. I'm the host, Will Walker. Thank you for listening and downloading uh, this podcast on whatever platform that you're listening listening to the podcast on. Uh, thank you to BS3 Radio for distributing this podcast. BS3 Radio is growing. If you uh, listening to this podcast and you're on social media, go follow BS3 Radio, Facebook, and also on Twitter and Instagram. Also, I am on Twitter and Instagram at WWS underscore sports show. And also, if you're on Facebook, go to my Facebook page and click the like button. Today's podcast, episode 1210. This weekend will determine who is for real, for real. This is the best NFL weekend so far in 2020. A lot of games that's going to determine uh, or make the playoff picture very clear. So put up or shut up games. If you are a fan of the NFL, you got to like uh, this weekend and the the scheduled games that are to be played on Sunday, Sunday night, and also on Monday. Before I get into that, let me talk about this. The NFL preseason will start on Friday. They're going to, uh, the Four Letter Network is going to show a game. The real games will start in a week. Um, from next Tuesday on the 22nd. So, but let me talk about the NBA and what's going to happen with James Harden. There's all kind of rumors where James Harden may end up. One of the more popular rumors out there is a Ben Simmons for James Harden swap between Philly and Houston. That would be a great deal for Philly. That would give Joel Embiid all the room he needs. If he gets James Harden and also they already picked up Seth Curry. So you got shooters that would open up the floor. I think James Harden would do well. This notion that James Harden is a ball hog is valid. But James Harden can also pass. He actually led the league in assists one year not too long ago. So he can pass the ball. Defense, not so much. That is not James Harden thing. But anyway, this is a league to where defense is optional right now in the NBA. You got to be able to put that ball in the basket. James Harden, Joel Embiid would be an upgrade to me over Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And plus, it would give Ben Simmons his own team. He'll be able to play in the open floor in the Western Conference. That won't help Houston make any uh, become a championship contender in the West at all. That barely may even make them a playoff contender. But it would allow Ben Simmons to play a more open court game with John Wall and some of the other pieces they have in Houston. But truly, this will be an upgrade for Philly if they make that deal, in Will Walker's opinion. Speaking of basketball, let's go to the college game. There, uh, Coach K is questioning whether they should be playing basketball during a pandemic. That's the highest profile coach in any sport in college that has made, uh, that has questioned whether they should be playing or not. So, my opinion is, Coach K, I said this before this season started in college football, and I'm going to continue to say it even during college basketball. No, you guys should not be playing, especially the amateurs. The pros, I understand. The amateurs, no, I don't agree with it. Speaking of college football and the global pandemic, Michigan will err on the side of caution uh, for COVID issues. 
to not play against Ohio State this weekend. I think it may be a little bit. Uh, look, let's add some more to that just to be messy. I think they just don't want. I think they don't want to take another beat down from Ohio State under Jim Harbaugh. You know, at one point before this was canceled, when the odds makers made the line, they said it could be thirty points. They were thirty point favorites. I agree with that because Michigan is awful, and Ohio State is uh, obviously playing to be voted into the uh, bowl playoff games that they have on January first. So anyway, uh, Ohio State in the where the Big Ten decided to put Ohio State through anyway, get rid of that rule they self imposed before the season started about having to play six games to qualify for the Big Ten conference championship. But since Ohio State only plays has only played five. Won't get a chance to play six because of what's going on at Michigan with the COVID issues. They just waved that in and said, okay, you guys are through. That's like the no-brainer of the week, in my opinion. Speaking of self-imposed things or sanctions, LSU has self-imposed a one-year bowl ban on themselves this year. Now, Will, the skeptic that I am, Let's go just put it this way for you. Let me help you out. Let me tell you this. LSU is self-imposing a one-year bowl ban on a year they absolutely suck. They stink. They're not going to play in an extra a, a, a exhibition game after the season is over, which is what bowl games are to me. So them self-imposing a bowl ban that the NCAA agreed to is comedy. That's hilarious. They even self-imposed scholarship reductions, eight scholarships to be taken away from LSU for the next two years. This is the NCAA accepting LSU's uh, self-imposed penalties on themselves. All that means to me really is that since LSU pays almost $25,000 per recruit they get, that just means they're going to save themselves nearly a quarter of a million dollars. That's all it is, really, seriously. Uh, and before LSU fans get all up in an uproar, I said it. Get over it. Yeah, you guys pay for recruits. A lot of schools pay for recruits. That's not just you. A lot of people do it. On two games and individual performances in sports that got my attention. One game that did not get my attention, that was a Tuesday night game between the Cowboys and the Ravens because the Cowboys stink and the Ravens can't throw the ball to the outside. Nothing changed in that game. Nothing at all. Lamar Jackson ran up and down the field, which is what he is uh, best at at quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, and Dallas couldn't stop him. Baltimore, Baltimore almost had 300 yards rushing in that game, so that game didn't get my attention. The games on Monday did because the Washington professional football team has preserved my Miami Dolphins' legacy as being the only Undefeated team to finish the regular season. Undefeated and win the Super Bowl. So I am very happy about that as that game was going on and Washington was uh, making the comeback and uh, after being down 14-3. to And then they took the lead late, got a late interception to help seal that win off a tip pass. And uh, Bostic got the interception. Nobody was more excited about that than myself. That's the way I see it. So I'm very happy that Pittsburgh has fallen from the land of the unbeaten. Tough way to lose, but be honest with you, nobody, I don't think anybody really seriously thought that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to finish the season undefeated. They, they're they a flawed team, and really, 
this week is going to tell me a lot about uh, Pittsburgh as they go up against Buffalo in the Sunday night matchup. All right, uh, and on the, the Buffalo Bills were able to beat San Francisco uh, in Arizona on probably one of the worst-looking field turfs I've seen in a professional football game in a long time. But then again, there was a game played on that field on Sunday, and then they turned around and had to play a game on that field on Monday. So the field could not be repaired to get up to uh, professional football standards. But that was an awful-looking field, but it doesn't matter. Both teams had to play it on play on that field, and the Buffalo Bills took advantage of it, and they uh, really showed a lot about how good of a football team they are. Josh Allen still making that great improvement uh, this season as a starting quarterback. Um, I really don't have anything else to say. I picked the Buffalo Bills to go to the Super Bowl before the pre uh, before the season started. So, so far, so good in my prediction, although that would hurt my Miami Dolphins, to be honest with you. But I think the Buffalo Bills have a real, real chance uh, to be in Tampa this year at the Super Bowl. Okay, I want to get into something um, that happened in UEFA Champions League match. Um, There was a incident that happened before a game between PSG and uh, Istanbul, and uh, it is something that's consistent with uh, Champions League in regards to how they deal with any type of racism. The players have the right to walk off the pitch if that's the, if they so desire um, to not participate um, in a match if they feel that um, there's been a racial incident. Um that they don't want to be a part of. So I want you to listen very closely to um, this inter- this interaction between the official and the coach. The white guy. When you're mentioning a white guy, you never say this white guy. You say these guys. So why when you mention me, listen to me. Why when you mention a black guy, you have to say this black guy? Say, but no, see, Romanian language coming from Latin language and negro and negro. Same race. Same good race. I know French Okay, that is Dimba Ba. He is the coach of Istanbul. And he, as you can tell, he took offense uh, to something that was said to him. Now, the official claims it's a language barrier. Barrier. Um, I can see this from both sides, to be quite honest with you. I'm not going to just totally look at this from one view. I can see this from both sides. If it, Negro in Spanish is black. Okay. So um, I think that... Uh, Matter of fact, I'm certain that official was uh, Spanish. He he was from Spain, so for him, um, he was. I don't think he was calling him a Negro. He was just saying what black is in Spanish, Negro. I can see it from Dimbo's standpoint because when you when he was referring to other to another uh, player or another coach, he didn't holler his color. He didn't say Blanco, which is white. In Spanish, he just said, he just said, this guy. But when he wanted to be more specific, uh, the the official, he said, Negro. And I can see what Dimba took offense to that. You were not specific in in, uh, your reference to the white coach, but you're being 
specific in your uh, description of Demba, Demba Bach. So I can understand. But anyway, the two teams decided they would not play this Champions League match because of uh, the way that situation was handled. And I don't have a problem with it. But again, that is so consistent with um, European club football, uh, especially in the um, Champions League. That is very consistent. Again, they've had issues, excuse me, they've had issues with racism in certain countries. Uh, there have been bananas thrown at dark, darker skinned uh, players uh, on some of these club teams. So they've had their issues. And again, the team has, both, both teams can make the decision or even one team can say, we're not playing because it's uncomfortable and it's unfair uh, that our players have to be subjected to racism. But they did play that match the following day and PSG absolutely destroyed Istanbul. They destroyed them five to one. And Neymar Jr., one of the best footballers in the world from Brazil, got a hat trick, three goals, and then his partner, uh, uh, Kylian Mbappe, he actually got a goal in that match also. So a 5-1 destruction by PSG, that sent a statement to me. That was a statement, and it was a very good statement. That's how you handle dumb crap. You beat the hell out of the damn team you're playing against, although it wasn't against any of the PSG players. But still, that is how you handle that, in my opinion. Stand on now, going back to the pitch. RB Leipzig and Manchester United. This was a game on Monday. I said I was really excited, looking uh, looking forward to seeing this Champions League match. It would determine who would go on to the knockout stage. And Leipzig barely held on after jumping out to a 3-0 lead. United scored two goals um, with a quarter of an hour left in that match. I mean, past the 75th minute. United made a great effort. They, they And they almost got that thing to where it was going to be 3-3, and that would have put United through if they had got a draw. But they came up short. United is out of the Champions League tourney. Um, great performance in the opening uh, minutes of that match by uh, Leipzig, Red Bull Leipzig. They are um, a top-quality club from the Bundesliga. They came off a tough match um, the the previous weekend against the, the champions of Europe, Europe, Bayern Munich, and that just carried over to their match against Manchester United. So they are moving on to the knockout stage in the Champions League. And also, I want to say something else about the Champions League. Weston McKinney, a young American midfielder, he's playing pro ball. Uh, in the Serie A for a, for a football giant, Juventus, out of Rome. He scored his second straight goal, his second straight time he has scored in consecutive matches. He scored in their match in the Serie A over the weekend, coming in as a sub, and he got a scissor kick beauty in this matchup against Barcelona. Before this season started, when the transfer window was open, which means these guys can move to uh, move 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 about, it's like a, it's the f- same equivalent equivalent of the free agency period in the states in basketball, football, baseball. But anyway, he left a Bundesliga uh, mid-table club, FC Schalke. Uh, a lot of people thought he should have gone to a Premier League mid-level team, and. McKinney said no. He bet on himself and his skills. A lot of people had a lot of things to say in regards to this young man 
uh, making that decision. They didn't think it was a smart choice. He was going to get buried on Juve's bench, not get much time on the pitch. He has proven these guys wrong. And it's some, and with his play now, you would think you would hear some noise from the soccer pundits in America that doubted him going to Juve. But this is what you hear. Crickets. Nothing. No apology. No no saying, well, kudos to the young man for betting on himself, but Will Walker will give him his kudos and say, that's what I'm talking about, Weston McKinney. Bet on yourself. Believe in your ability. Get these silly pundits and what they think. One more. Big Zach Steffens, the uh, top goalie for the United States men's national team, but he's not the top goalie on my favorite club team in the world, Man City. He is the backup behind one of the better goalies in the world in Ederson. But anyway, uh, Zach Steffens made his use uh, his Champions League debut uh, this uh, Wednesday, and he got a clean sheet. So congratulations to Zach Steffens. Quality, quality match, although, you know, he, he is on the better team. Uh, for Manchester City. But anyway, a clean sheet is a clean sheet. You take it and you keep it moving. And that is a that's that's a big deal um, for Zach getting that start in his first Champions League start. So I'm happy for him. And I like this. I'm like I'm liking what I'm seeing from my young these young Americans um, that I think should be on the uh, U.S. men's national team getting ready for the 2020 uh, World Cup. These guys are all playing. These youngsters, these youngsters are playing um, outstanding, uh, getting outstanding chances and opportunities to play top level football in Europe. Um, that can't do nothing but um, help this team as they get ready to qualify for the World Cup. Still want them to beat Mexico. That's the main thing. Beat Mexico. If they beat Mexico, they will be the top team in North America. All right, time to pick these games. It's going to be six games. And um, like I said, this is that put up a shut up weekend. I'm going to start first with the Arizona Cardinals at the Giants. The Giants coming off that big upset. Um, that was probably the biggest upset of the weekend until Monday. But anyway, the Giants upset Seattle in Seattle, Arizona. Lost again. Um, this time it was at the hands of the Rams. The Giants have something similar to the Rams. A very good pass rush and a very disciplined defense. I got to give Joe Judge some credit and um, say my negativity of that hire, I was wrong. Joe Judge is the man for the job so far. He's proven that way as the Giants started 1-7 and seven and rolled off four straight wins, 5-7. and seven. Going up against the 6-6 six and six Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray has had two bad weeks in a row. Two bad Sundays in a row. And that was against very good defenses. The Patriots uh, and the Rams, they both used almost the same formula. Keep him in the pocket. Don't let him get outside that pocket. And when he's in the pocket, put your hands up because he's a short quarterback. He's not growing. And he won't grow before the game on Sunday. So I think even though the Arizona Cardinals are two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Giants, I think the Giants pull an upset at home. Or at least by the betting line. I don't see it as an upset. I think the Giants are the better team. They're the harder team. 
So I don't care if Colt McCoy is at the quarterback. I like the Giants defense in this game. Next game, Minnesota at Tampa. Tampa's coming off a of bye week. Minnesota was able to um, get a huge win last week. Uh, this game will come down to whether the Minnesota Vikings can stop Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins has not a dog on. Kirk Cousins is just going to be the best uh, quarterback that can hand the ball off besides Ryan Tannehill. That's the way I see it. I look at Kirk Cousins the same way I look at Ryan Tannehill and Baker Mayfield. You got strong running games. Don't mess it up and take advantage of one-on-one coverage when teams come down to stop the run by putting that extra player in the box. This Minnesota team, I, I'm going to toot my horn a little bit because I picked Minnesota before the season started to be the surprise representative from the National Football Conference. I bailed on them earlier because they, they got off to a horrible start. But they are now the seventh team um, of seven possible teams that can make it uh, to the NFC playoffs. They have won four of their last five games. This is a tough team. Um, even without EJ Henderson last week, I know they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars and it had to go into overtime, but I'm still not sold on Tampa at all. I know Tom Brady is one of the best quarterbacks of all time with his six Super Bowls, but he doesn't look like that dude this year. And six and a half points for Tampa is really a lot. A, almost a touchdown favorite over team. And I get they're coming off the bye week and maybe the odds makers are not that sold on Minnesota, but I'm not that sold on Tampa and Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady just looks average. And maybe it's Bruce Arians' offense because that's what Jameis Winston looked like last year. Average. So, unless the Tampa Buccaneers are going to make a concerted effort to run the football, they're going to be in another dogfight against a team that's fighting and scratching and clawing for their playoff lives, which both of these teams should be because the Bucs are 7-5 and five and Minnesota 6-6. Six and six. But anyway, I'm going to go with Minnesota to cover the points. I don't think they'll lose this game by a touchdown. All right, the next game I'm going to be looking at here is the Indianapolis Colts at the Raiders. Uh, the Raiders got lucky. That's the way to look at it. They got lucky last week, and they 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 took advantage of the dysfunction that is the New York Jets. Zero blitz, last play of the game, and you give up a bomb to Ruggs the third. So, um. That's really all that could be said about that. The Raiders, the Raiders should have lost that game. The Jets outplayed them really most of that game, but they're the Jets. Anyway, the Colts are three-point favorites on the road to go to Vegas. They beat Houston last week. Again, took advantage of a late fumble um, by Deshaun Watson as Houston was driving down the field to tie that ball game. So, the Colts got a break. They're 8-4, and four, and the Raiders are 7-5. and five. This game also has huge playoff implications. Uh, the Colts right now are in a uh, statistical tie with Tennessee in the AFC South, so they got to keep pace and they got to keep winning if they want to host a playoff game this year, and I think that will continue against the Raiders. The Raiders have just not been uh, that strong of a squad. Again, uh, these last three ball games, they lost at Atlanta 43-6 to where they look like they just absolutely didn't show up, and of course, that came after everybody hyped them in that game against Kansas City to where both teams didn't have the ball that much, but there were a lot of points scored. There were 76 points scored in a game to where there wasn't that many possessions. But anyway, um, 
seemed like the Raiders didn't recover the following week against Atlanta, and they still looked to be shell-shocked even against the Jets. And, again, they got they got a break. I don't think they will get a break this week. Indy's a very disciplined football team, but then again, Phillip Rivers is still quarterback, so who knows? He may gift the Raiders a, a couple of pick sixes or a couple of costly turnovers. But I'm going to say that the Colts pull it out and win on the road. All right, the team that pulled the biggest upset um, last weekend, Monday, the Washington professional football team over the Pittsburgh Steelers. This week, they're going to be going up against the 49ers. The 49ers are coming off a very disappointing loss, but they were beat down by Buffalo. Buffalo thoroughly dominated that game at the line of scrimmage with their running, their running attack. And again, Josh Allen had one of his better days. Washington is a very strong team when it comes to putting pressure on that quarterback. They can put a whole lot of heat on you uh, with that defensive line, with all those former number one picks they got up front, led by the recent number two overall pick, uh, the kid from Ohio State. So this is a tough, tough matchup, and this is a tough game to pick. Again, this game will be played in the desert because of the – uh, COVID protocols out in San Francisco, so they have to play their this game on the road and and in Arizona. I expect the field to be in better condition. That doesn't that's not going to help San Francisco with Nick Mullen at quarterback. Um, I know San Francisco's going to try to be physical. That's their game under Kyle Shanahan. Uh, so this should be a very physical game. But I think the Washington Football Team will get within one game of 500 and go to six and seven and beat the San Francisco 49ers and get their fourth straight win. All right, the Sunday night game, Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Woo! This is one I have struggled with when I um, went went ahead and decided to pick games, and I saw this one on the schedule. This is tough when I know Pittsburgh coming off a loss. I know what Buffalo did on Monday night, but man, this is still a tough game, but Pittsburgh is starting to lose people on the defensive side of the ball. Um, No Bud Dupree, no Devin Bush. Um, Their secondary didn't look all that stellar against Alex Smith in Washington uh, on Monday night, and I expect um, Buffalo to really get uptight on these Pittsburgh wide receivers because The thing you got to do is you got to take away that short passing game and stop the yards after catch, which is what Washington did in the second half of that game. I expect Buffalo to actually try to duplicate that uh, that same formula and uh, keep Big Ben in check. Again, Pittsburgh's got to find a way to get get their running game started. I don't know how they're going to be able to do that because Buffalo is very good against the run. They're they're starting to really uh, look like the team that could represent uh, the AFC in the Super Bowl. They are a man. They they are a solid team. I know they give up. Uh, I'm looking at the stats. They give up 25 and a half, 25 and a half points a game. But they are tough, man. They give up 102 yards a game. They give up 126 yards a game on the ground. They rush for 102. Pittsburgh doesn't rush for many yards. They only rush for nearly 93 yards a game. So. But Pittsburgh better find a running game because you're not going to beat this Buffalo team with dink and dunk passes and having Big Ben drop back 40-plus times. You're going to have to 
get some diversity in that offense, but I think the Bills win at home and stay atop of the AFC East and hand Pittsburgh their second straight loss. All right, the game, the game, the Miami Dolphins, my Miami Dolphins, hosting Kansas City, the best team in pro football. One loss, Kansas City coming to town, the defending Super Bowl champions, they got Patrick Mahomes, the league, the, the front runner for the MVP. They got an explosive offense. Tyreek Hill, who is on the injury report, but I expect him to play. Travis Kelsey, the best. Doggone tight end in the game. One of the best offensive lines. They got two running backs back there. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and also Le'Veon Bell, Sammy Watkins, the Robinson kid. Oh, my man. When I look at it like that, the Dolphins got their work cut out for them. But if any team in the National Football League is built to play against the Kansas City Chiefs and have a defense that can contain, not stop. Listen to the words. Contain the Kansas City football team. It's the my Miami Dolphins. Emmanuel Ogboss, Sha- Shaq Lawson are going to have to have huge days. The Dolphins are going to have to get there with four. There can't be no exotic blitzes like they've done against previous teams. Maybe a couple of times when the field shrinks, when the uh, Kansas City team gets inside the red zone. The Dolphins may can come with some extra pressure, but I would not be doing that from the from the Kansas City uh, side of the ball. Um, it's got to be in the red zone. Don't do it anywhere else because the Dolphins don't have anybody that can run with Tyreek Hill. Xavier Howard may be the, the league leader in interceptions, but he cannot run with Tyreek Hill. Please do not make the mistake that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did or you will be embarrassed like Tampa Bay was in that first quarter. So uh, this is the site where Kansas City uh, won the Super Bowl last year. They're back in Miami. This is a tough game. I do not think Kansas City seven points better than the Miami Dolphins, to be quite honest, which I think the Dolphins is going to make this a lot tighter uh, than seven points. But I have a theme. I have a formula that works for me. I'm not going to reveal it because then it would jinx me and my formula wouldn't work. But for the purposes of picking this game, I'm not going to go with my heart. I'm going to go with my head and say that Kansas City will win. But I do not think they'll beat my Miami Dolphins by seven plus points. What I did like from the Miami Dolphins last week in their game um, against Cincinnati, and I know Cincinnati was the opponent, was the first half was a struggle for Tua in the offense. But the second half, Chan Gailey opened it up, put the kid in a, in a familiar offense that he ran mostly at the University of Alabama, um, that no huddle, spread the field, let the kid make make the decision who to throw the ball to. And it also and it also sped up the clock in his head. He was getting the ball out a lot quicker, and his reads got better. And then when he had to improvise, he did, like he did when he hit Miles Gaskin um, inside the red zone last week. The Dolphins suffered um, – greatly in the red zone last week they only scored one touchdown they did kick four field goals but so did kansas city in their game against denver they did not convert many red zone chances so let's see can the dolphins be better in the red zone this week and convert chances in the red zone chances into touchdowns not field goals touchdowns is what's going to beat kansas city so i think the dolphins will cover the seven points but i think kansas city will still win the game Tonight, Thursday night football is also a big game because, and I don't even like Thursday night football, but I'm really intrigued in the Pats at the Rams. The Rams are the best defense in football, and the Patriots are the worst offense besides Dallas and 
the Jets in football. They don't have much. I mean, Cam Newton threw for under 70 yards last week, and they still won. I mean, they actually beat down the Chargers, but the Chargers gave up a special teams uh, touchdown, and then they made a host of mistakes uh, at at the SoFi Stadium. That's the name of the stadium in L.A. And the Rams will be playing their second straight game there. Matter of fact, the Rams didn't – I mean, I'm sorry, the Patriots playing their second straight game there. Matter of fact, the Patriots didn't even go back to Boston. They stayed. They, they've been in L.A. as they knew they had to play a game on Thursday. So they've been they've been in L.A. this whole time. I don't think it's going to do any good. The Rams are five-point favorites tonight. I think this is a double-digit blowout because the Rams are just too good on defense. You're not running the ball on the Rams. I'm sorry. And and you're going to you're gonna need guys that can get separation. That's going to be very hard to do against a very talented secondary. They are not just Jalen Ramsey. And if he drops back the throw, Still got to deal with Aaron Dar- Donald, Brockers, and Floyd. You still got to deal with those dudes. Man, look, the Rams are too talented defensively for a mediocre to bad offense. And that is what the Patriots are, a mediocre to bad offense. Okay, that's my time. I got a couple more seconds because I want to discuss what's getting ready to happen in Europe. This is also a big uh, football weekend uh, in Europe. For yours truly, soccer is my favorite sport, if you don't know that. Uh, we got the Manchester Derby. You got two big derbies, but anyway, starting the Premier League. We got the Manchester Derby. We got City versus United. City coming off a big win over Fulham last week. Manchester United is a team still. A lot of talented young dudes. A lot of talented young dudes. Rashford, Fernandez, very good players. Uh, for the Premier League. And Manchester City is susceptible to the counterattack and also because the back line, although they've been playing better over the last couple of matches, eh, I ain't really all that sold on on DS Stones in the port back there. I'm sorry, just not. But anyway, Manchester City will get the chance. Go cross town and play against United. I think Manchester City will get the win. That's with my heart, straight up. That is straight up with my heart. All right, the next match, Everton versus Chelsea, another top-of-the-table match. Everton started off the year very hot. They've cooled down lately. James Rodriguez has looked like a totally different guy in the Premier League, and I don't think any pundit, including yours truly, uh, thought that he would be a difference maker in Everton, but so is uh, the Lewis kid. And, of course, Richarlison, the Brazilian, is on Everton. Chelsea is their money has looked well spent. Well spent uh, that uh, with the players, the team of Warners that they picked up over uh, the transfer window. Uh, Zuma, that the big center center back, has as many goals as some strikers in the Premier League. He has four goals so far this year. Chelsea is hot. Everton is good. I'm going to say Everton pulls the, gets the win at home. I think they can. And real quick, the MLS Cup will happen on Saturday night. Also, we got the crew versus the Sounders. The Sounders are um, a, a a team that it, they can attack with Jordan Morris. Uh, they got uh, they got guys that can put the ball to, in the goal. And the Columbus crew, eh, not so much. Not so strong in regards to uh, putting the ball in the back. Ruiz Diaz, uh, uh, just an outstanding Seattle Sanders team. Seattle Saunders team. They are the defending champion. What do I expect in this game? Even though the game will be in Columbus, I expect the Columbus crew 
to actually hold on and win. I cannot believe I'm still talking and the music just stopped. That's my exit music. Okay, anyway, restarting. But in regards to this game, uh, get the crew founders, uh, get the win and collect a second straight MLS Cup. And lastly, lastly, there's a game on Sunday. This is a big match at the top of the table of the French League. This is PSG going against Leon Again, uh, I'm expecting Neymar and Pepe to be out there with Di Maria and be able to put a host of pressure on a Leon team that the la- in three the three previous matches that they played this team they scored at least they scored a total of nine goals PSG can score as they proven as they scored five goals in their Champions League match Leon is not that good on defense although Memphis the uh Dubai uh Dupay Dubai is one of the um he's proven to be a top goal scorer for the French league um he didn't do so well uh, in the Premier League, but he's doing a lot better in the French League. But the French League doesn't have as much talent as the Premier League, so I don't know what much I can take from that. But I expect PSG to get this W and get this win. And I forgot a, a derby, a Madrid derby. Real versus Atletico. Atletico, top defensive ball club. They're going to stay. They're going to keep their shape. They're going to try to make sure that they don't give up anything down the middle and make uh, Real earn it. This is not a solid Real side that could just break 18 down. They have a lot of fast young, talented players, and some experienced guys. But Real doesn't scare Atletico at all. Matter of fact, if you ask me, I think Atletico is the better team and all the, all the game will be played in Real, at, at Real Stadium. I think Madrid pulls to get still gets to win in a 1-0 win because I don't see them giving up anything to Real. So that's the way it goes. That's my time. Action-packed weekend. Looking forward to it. Um, I close the podcast the same way every single time. Say a prayer for somebody because prayer changes things. I'll holler. Be safe. Enjoy your weekend. Keep that social distancing up. For real, for real. Keep it up. Wear your mask. Be safe. Be safe.